Hello, this is Zach Semke with Passive House Accelerator, and thanks for tuning in to this special episode of the Passive House Podcast. We'll be talking about Reimagine Buildings 24, our 24-hour around-the-world global online conference. Today, I'll be speaking with Shafali Songvi of Datner Architects, who's a featured speaker at Reimagine Buildings 24. Welcome back to the Passive House Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be back. I always enjoy our chats. Yes, likewise, likewise. And this is a special episode of the show uh, in the run-up to our our big Reimagine Buildings 24 um, online global conference. Um, and uh, but before we and and I mean you've been on the show before. Uh, we've we've featured you and the 425 Grand Concourse uh, project on the Reimagine Buildings YouTube channel. So I, I I think people know you. But if you wouldn't mind just starting with a, a quick uh, introduction of yourself and your role at Datner or your work, that would be really great. Sure. Um, yeah. So I'm Shafali Sangvi. I am the director of sustainability at Datner Architects and also a senior associate in our housing studio. And so um, my sort of interest in architecture really stemmed from an interest in affordable housing. This idea that regardless of your income level or your circumstance, you everyone deserves a, sort of like a safe, healthy, reliable place to live. And I think that it really segued really naturally into this interest in sustainability, because how can you talk about affordable housing without talking about sustainability? And as I'm saying this, I'm like, this is exactly the conversation we had the last time we talked about. But I think <laughs> it's good. important to reinforce that message. Um, Absolutely. And, um, and so anyway, so I've been really fortunate to work at places that really fostered my interest in sustainability. And in, you know, in a, about seven years ago, I started working at Datner and they um, sustainability has been a big part of Datner's ethos since it's uh, since the firm's inception. And so in 2022-ish, they decided that the commitment to sustainability was important to formalize and they created the director of sustainability role and sort of promoted me into that position. And it's been really great. It's been really great to continue my sort of passion for affordable housing and also in the same time pushing forward my passion for sustainability and how it impacts all the typologies that our office works on, whether it's infrastructure projects or schools or basically anything. And to sort of make sure that we are all talking about sustainability the same way, we have this shared vision and that we're all really looking at sustainability sustainability rather holistically, that we're looking at not only energy efficiency, but also materials, impact to user, impact to users and occupants, like, you know, end of life, um, environmental justice issues and, and things like that. And so that's been really exciting to, to have that kind of conversation with not only colleagues that may not be into it, but or as um, aware of it, but also clients and, and contractors and consultants and, and kind of everyone that we touch as architects. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for folks who, um, I mean, I think a lot of people know this, but Detner is, is a, a leader in, in passive house um, design and construction. And, and um, I was teasing your colleague, John Wolfling um, at the Fiascon uh, conference in, in Houston um, after the awards ceremony, because he, he was getting his steps in going, going up and <laughs> accepting awards on behalf of, of your office. So um it, it, yeah, it's a great, great place to be, and they're lucky to have you as uh, um, in the role that you're you're playing there. Yeah, um, I feel so glad to it, be here. Too. Yeah, yeah. So when we were thinking about reimagine this this crazy conference we're doing, um, 
you were one of the first people we thought of um, as as uh, joining us as a speaker. So we're super excited that you're going to um, be speaking on the conference, and you'll be we'll we'll, we'll tease a little bit, I think, of, uh, about that um, later in in our conversation. Um, but you'll be kind of uh, the the cl- closing one of the closing hitters on the on the last hour of the conference, which is going to be awesome. Um, so, but we have this this theme: reimagine buildings. And I just, I, if you wouldn't mind, just reflecting on um, what does reimagining buildings mean to you? I mean, or why why do you think we need to reimagine buildings? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I just want to say that I mean, I feel really honored that you guys thought of me at all to be part of this really fantastic conference that you guys are putting on. I don't know of another twenty four hour conference that is really just focused on sustainability issues, um, specifically Passive House. And, and so I'm really, I think it's going to be really exciting. I'm really glad that this 24-hour format allows us to talk to people outside of the U.S. market who, and some because sometimes it feels like we're just speaking in a vacuum, right, or speaking to people yeah. who are very like-minded. And so to have that more global reach is really, I think it's going to be really great. And I can't wait to um, hear feedback. On, on this. Yeah, and then maybe yeah. this is like an annual thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, and to be in that closing slot, I mean, I can't, I mean, if anyone is listening for 24 hours straight, I hope they stay awake. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> 24th <right>. hour. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, this idea of reimagining buildings, I mean, it's something that I feel is really important <clears throat> is this idea that like for so long, when we talked about sustainability, we really talked about energy efficiency. I mean, it's just, it's so easy to talk about it from that point of view because it was a tangible benefit, right? You can talk to clients or owners or operators about how it would reduce their heating bills or their hot water bills. You could, and then you could, you know, using energy efficiency as the crux of the argument, you can start slowly talking about how the building envelope impacts that and how, you know, how building tightness impacts indoor health and why ventilation is really important and all these things. But I think that there is this, larger discussion around buildings that need to happen that look at sustainability and resiliency as as part of sustainability more holistically that you know how can we as practitioners address like long-standing issues uh, around social equity and climate justice how can we address the fact that like we may not have control, especially in the world of affordable housing we may not necessarily have control over where the projects are built But we do have control over how we respond to kind of like the um, what's the best way to say sort of like the not ideal parts of, of, of the site. Right. Like we're in a flood zone. Like I didn't choose a site in a flood zone, but here we are. These are one of the last few parcels left, especially when we talk about affordable housing in New York City. Um, And I think this idea that like we are part of a community. How are we engaging with the community? Are we setting a good example of, for projects that come after us? And to be able to say that, like, we did this as an affordable housing project. So why can't you as a market rate project down the street? And I think that, like, this idea for me, really, it's this when we talk about reimagining, it's really reimagining how we define sustainability to be very holistic so that it's sustainability, it's resiliency, it's um, health, it's embodied carbon, it's, you know, it's uh, equity issues. It just, you can't, it's sustainability is more than energy efficiency. That ship has sailed. We can't really just only talk about energy efficiency when we talk about buildings. Yeah. Well said, well said. I think one of the things also that, um, 
I think is coming through in as we kind of learn, all of us learn more about those different elements of a sustainability um, is that there are many ways in which they are actually self-reinforcing or not mutually reinforcing, not self-reinforcing, but mutually reinforcing. Um, and I, I think that, um, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to some of that conversation coming, you know, coming to the fore, um, particularly around like say embodied, embodied carbon and operational carbon. Um, I think there, there might be a tendency to, 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 um, or the, I think in the initial kind of, um, issue raising about embodied carbon, maybe there was a sense that there was like, you have to choose one or the other, but they're actually, they, in so many cases, they're, um, uh, they can be in harmony. And I think that's also true when we look at things like um, the housing crisis and the climate crisis. Um, and it seems it, your, your work, I think is like, right, the, like, right there in that kind of nexus between in solution making around both of those things. Yeah. And I think like, um, you know, we, we talk about greenhouse gas emissions and we talk about buildings having such a big role in that, but that looking at it just from, you know, I, we often talk about it from an operational carbon point of view, Mm -hmm. but embodied carbon over the life of the building is also very important. And, and this it's, it's a lot, I mean, and and it's more than just like, Oh, it's not saying that, Oh, I can't do steel and concrete anymore. And I can only do mass timber. It's all about making right, making conscious decisions about procurement and really just looking at what kind of options are available to you based on your site location, because it is kind of on a case by case basis. And it doesn't necessarily you know, if we think about this as steps towards a common goal, it doesn't mean that the next building you build has to be completely different than anything you've done before. It's really just about being aware and making the right decisions moving forward. And and yeah, I mean, I I often say that it's like you can't talk about operational carbon and ignore embodied carbon, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's mm-hmm. it's all carbon, and you have to pay attention right. to both of them. And you know, I think that the work that Datner does is kind of helps reinforce that, right? A lot of the things that we do works within the existing construction practices of the typology that we do. Like we we do passive house buildings with block and plank construction. It doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to automatically be cast in place or anything like that. I mean, we've done that, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. We can work within the framework that exists that people are used to that can, then we can start talking about incremental cost increases and it kind of like brings more people to the table because you're not changing everything all at once. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, it's, you know, what they say is like you, you catch, you catch more bees with honey than whatever. And it's like, that's kind of the feeling here is that if we think about all of us being part of the solution, then we have to figure out a way to work together towards this common good. Yeah. Yeah. Or common benefit really. Right. I, I think you've already started to 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 uh, to address this, but uh, so you know we talked about a little bit. What does reimagining buildings mean to you? Why 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 reimagine buildings? But also, how are you reimagining buildings? And I think this probably goes in a little bit into the teaser about some of some of the stuff you'll share um, at the conference. Yeah, I mean, I think like the thing that I've been really focused on this year and. I don't know why I have different focuses every year, but one of the things that I've been really focused on this year is this idea that your ability to be resilient to climate change really kind of um, 
is impacted by historical lack of equity. So like areas that have traditionally been redlined um, may not be well suited to be um, resilient to climate change, especially if we think about climate change as more than just storm surge, right? We talk about the wildfires that happened last year, like who would have ever thought um, that New York City would be dealing with wildfire smoke, talking about extreme heat. We talk about resiliency against um, storm surge and flash flooding. And it kind of feels like when you look at these things and you look at Passive House, it's like, yeah, Passive House really addresses a lot of these things, even if it was not the original intention. Like it it gets us to where we need to be to be able to have the, you know, this idea of survivability to all types of climate change. And when we talk about that in in like the um, under the umbrella of affordable housing, it's like such a no-brainer. It's such a no-brainer that you can you can answer owners like bottom line concerns and also provide a healthier building that is resilient to a variety of climate change. And and as I think the years pass, we're going to see more and more things that we just were not expecting ever. I mean, I haven't, you know, I've been doing this for 18 or so years. So there are many people who've been doing this for much longer than me, but even for me, these last few years, I've been like, I've, this is not stuff that I was prepared to design for, but this is the reality in which we live. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in, you know, in Seattle, where I live, the, we had that heat dome a couple of years ago. It also hit Portland and it was just, and British Columbia it was just totally insane. I mean, just like, you know, temperatures unheard of. And, um, the, the, um, the mapping of the temp- where the temperatures in Seattle and also in Portland, the mapping of where those were high, the temperatures were highest, um, co- corresponded pretty perfectly to the maps of the redlined neighborhoods. Um, and a lot of that had to do with the lack of um, urban forestry or like right. of trees on the streets, you know, s- simple, simple, like things like that, that, that have just uh, because of that lack of equity and kind of disinvestment, um, you know, have resulted in that. So there's, yeah, there's just so many ways that kind of manifest that, that are surprising, right. um, I think. Yeah. And I think like sometimes as architects, we're like, well, there's only so much we can do, but which is true to a certain extent. Like, you know, we we're not urban planners. We're not. And many of us don't have the ability to impact policy, although we all have that opportunity to by being more um, involved in local government. But it doesn't mean that we can't do anything. Right. I mean, even if we're just looking at one our one site, we also have to pay attention to how that site can like better the community in which it's built and what are we doing on our one site to, to mitigate some of these things that we otherwise have no control over. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, I think that there is so, so I, I think that that, that message of, um, of capacity and um, just some, you know, there is some power that this, this industry does have, um, that it, it we're really, I think, I think that that is, is super encouraging. And so, and one of the things I think that it'll, will be great about your presentation because you get to, you'll be, you'll be illustrating an example of that. Could you tease a little bit about the, the project that you're going to be referring to in, in your talk? Yeah, sure. Um, it's, uh, it's, a. The project is a 26-acre master plan, which is kind of unique in New York City to think about master planning at that scale. Um, But it is an all-affordable project with, you know, some retail community facility, potentially a school, um, its own sort of like waste management plan. So it's really this up and it's 
built 100% in a floodplain. <laughs> so it's, um, it's really kind of exciting to think about how we are looking at this, not just from a building point of view, but an infrastructure point of view, not only like sort of stormwater and that kind of infrastructure, but also waste management um, and how we're connected to like parks and parking and what are we, what's the border that we are presenting to the existing community. And so I think that even though it's a unique project in its scale, I think that the, this this idea of master planning is not so unique when you get outside of dense urban areas. And so I think it would be a really interesting project for a lot of the people who are, you know, who will be attending this conference to, to hear about. And maybe there are lessons that could be learned or at least concepts that can be applied to other sorts of projects. I don't yeah. want to, you know, I mean, like I could, it's, I could tell you the project name, but I'm like, don't Google it in time. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. No, no, no. We need to be, we need to yeah, be, we need bit. to keep it secret. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And so, so this is going to be during hour 24 of our 24 hour conference, which hits at 11 a.m. Um, Eastern on March 8th. That's a Friday, March 8th. Um, and so if, if you um, want to stay up all night with us and do the 24 <laughs> hours, that's awesome. But many, I think the majority of folks will be uh, taking in the conference uh, when, during their waking hours, and that works great. Um, so there will be, we, we start at noon on Thursday, East, noon Eastern on Thursday, and end on at, at noon Eastern on Friday. So Shafali, thank you so much. And we're so excited to have you um, as a presenter on the conference and, and for taking the time out to, to share with us today. Of course. Thanks again for, for thinking of me and for having me. I'm really excited to talk about our project. I'm really excited for this conference. And it feels like there should be a special gold star for anyone who attends all 24 hours. Definitely. Know? We're working on it. We're working <laughs> okay. on it. We're going to do some gamification around yeah. that for sure. Definitely. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Zach. Thanks for tuning in to this special episode of the Passive House podcast, featuring some upcoming guests for our Reimagined Buildings 24, happening on March 7th and 8th. Reimagined Buildings is a global online conference that will provide information, connections, and inspiration to make buildings that can change the world. Over the course of 24 hours, we'll circumnavigate the globe, unveiling a new innovative building project every hour, complete with actionable solutions and lessons from around the world. Also earn AIA credits. RB24 live program sessions will be submitted for AIA CEs in partnership with AIA New York State. And for students, check out our scholarships and special student discounts. Many thanks to NYSERDA for being the stakeholder sponsor of RB24. Register now for Reimagine Buildings 24 and use the promo code PODCAST for a 20% discount.